Welcome to the Trinity Grace Church Tribeca podcast. At Trinity Grace Church, our mission is to help New Yorkers grow in love by practicing the way of Jesus for the good of our city. If you're interested in Trinity Grace Church Tribeca, check out our website at tgctribeca.com where you can learn more about us and learn about ways that you can help support our church and this podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook to see and hear what's going on in our community. Thank you for joining us today and welcome grace and peace to you. through 13. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say this, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. And then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. And so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the gospel of our Lord. Good morning. All right. Can everyone hear me? Let's see. So before we dig into the Lord's Prayer, one of the most familiar Christian rites that we take part in, let's take a moment to breathe together to open our hearts and our minds to the move of the Spirit and to ready ourselves to receive what God is saying to us through this passage. So let's quiet ourselves and breathe.
Gracious God, we are here and we are open to you. Holy Spirit, come. We thank you that in your infinite love, you give life to our dust. Open our hearts and minds to receive what you are saying to us. All right, Luke 11, 1 through 13. This passage is all about prayer, isn't it? It's about how to pray. The Lord's Prayer is a formula for how to pray. Um, it's about why to pray. The first part is the Lord's Prayer, and then we have these two parables. The first parable of the traveler who comes knocking at his friend's door in the night, and he will not give up until his friend is roused and comes to answer the door. This is a parable about persistence. Not just any persistence, but an audacious and bold persistence. Um, a lot of translators translate it as an impudence or a shamelessness. And I think that this is a great example of how we can approach God in prayer. And it's also an example of how bold it is to even begin to pray. The very act of praying is bold. Um, it's a bold proclamation of trust. Trust that we really believe in these things that we say we believe. Trust that the creator of the universe knows us and loves us. At the same time, praying can be weird and hard and can be very strange. Um, if you look at someone praying, it looks weird. I look at myself praying, I'm like, who are you talking to? <laughs> what are you saying? Why do you think anyone is listening to you? Um, but we still do it. Is prayer more than thinking about God and more than talking about God? I think that prayer is an open embrace of the mystical. And as an embrace of the mystical and mysterious nature of the divine, prayer is absolutely vital to us as Christians because it can shape our consciousness and open us up to deeper connection to the Trinity, to the creator source, to the Christ, and to the Holy Spirit. It is this relationship that shapes our consciousness. So what kind of consciousness does prayer form in us? Thomas Merton was um, a monk and spiritual writer, and he has this little book called Zen and the Birds of Appetite. I always want to say the other one about the motorcycles, but it's Zen and the Birds of Appetite. And in this book, Merton talks about the trajectory of our spirituality um, that has formed Christian culture today into something that is increasingly activistic secular and anti-mystical. We have come to see this idea of mystical union with God as some kind of new level to beat in the video game of spirituality, which makes sense because we instinctively equate living with doing. And then we get tired. We get tired of the mundane. We get tired of living our ordinary lives and we want a way out. We want a life of heartbreaking beauty and resounding success, a life of deep love. Um, a common thread of Christianity is humility and presence, and this thread can cause us 
to question our other very human desires. Merton asks the question, which way of seeking experiences with God is the right way? Is it the way of the monk, the mystic, the ascetic, to remove yourself, to devote your life to prayer, self-denial, and solitude? Is it the way of the martyr to give your very body and your life to the cause of Christ? Is there another way? Our culture, postmodern, has deep roots in Cartesian thinking. I think, therefore I am. We rely on evidence, we rely on proofs, observations, things that we know. Our self becomes our main point of reference. I am my own measuring stick for everything that I come into contact with. We know ourselves. It's like that old idea of rose-colored glasses. You put them on and it colors your perspective on everything you see. Only instead of wearing rose-colored glasses, we are all walking around wearing um, ego glasses. So. According to Merton, this can lead us to isolate ourselves from other people and to see other people as things and not as persons. This way of being in the world, um, this way of approaching the world, shapes and has an effect on how we think of God, too. Merton points out that Cartesian thought began as an attempt to reach God as object by starting from the thinking self. But when God becomes object, he sooner or later dies because God as object is ultimately unthinkable. So we have our consciousness, we have the ways in which we think about God and the divine, and we have prayer, which is an experience and is in itself mystical. But is the point to experience the transcendent? Or is it more than just the experience, the moment, the event of experience? It's about being. How do we break free of our view of God as a thing? How do we start to form a new Christian consciousness, one that shatters our egos and opens us up to deeper connection with God and with each other? I think that prayer, um, and especially the Lord's Prayer, gives us a great place to start from. Praying can form our conscious mind in the ways of true forgiveness, in the ways of grace, both giving and receiving grace, and in seeing truth and telling truth. Prayer helps us to soften our grip on our ideas of reality and to open our hands to the paradoxes of our faith. So, we have this kind of framework for why we should pray um, to reform our Christian consciousness. And now I want to talk about three ways, um, three gifts of prayer that I see. And as luck would have it, they all start with the same letter. <laughs> so, just go with it. <laughs> The first one is presence. A lot of times we think about spirituality as a journey towards personal enlightenment. But true spirituality leads us to pay attention to the holiness of the life we're living in the moment we are in. The goal is not to escape our lives, 
but to transform how we live. When we say, give us this day our daily bread, today, right now, do you have what you need? Not what you want, but do you have what you need? Simone Weil writes about this daily bread moment in the Lord's Prayer, and she says, Our consent to his presence is the same as his presence. Consent is an act. It can only be actual, that is to say, in the present. Through the practice of prayer, we are letting our conscious mind be formed by the presence of the divine. Um, like Michael said, I've been studying spiritual direction, which is a very ancient practice, for a couple of years now. And one of the things that I love most about it, that I'm most grateful for, is how it's shown me the power of simplicity and the simplicity of presence. When you are very open and present with another person who's listening deeply to you, it can be so transformative. Um, one of the standard spiritual direction questions that we ask to prompt reflection is the question, how have you seen God working in your life lately? Or how have you seen the Spirit working in your life lately? The first time I was asked this, it was hard for me to find an answer. But eventually, my eyes began to open and I could see the Spirit always constantly working in and around my life in ways as simple as sunlight streaming through the translucent green of spring leaves. When I opened my eyes and looked, I found the spirit there in ways as poignant as a smile shared, a moment of human connection with the person who lives their life on the streets. This gift of presence to these ordinary and holy moments is one of the best gifts of a life of prayer. Seek and you shall find, right? But in order to find, you have to open your eyes and see. Open your eyes and see the goodness of the Lord. Open your eyes and see the Spirit moving in our world. Our first P was presence, and now for our second P, which is paradox. We don't pray to become super spiritual people, although that's kind of the idea I had of it when I was growing up. I would try and fail, usually, to have quiet time in the morning because I thought, that's what you do if you're a really spiritual person. <laughs> but uh, So we had our gospel reading, which is from Luke, and the other New Testament reading for this morning is from the book of Colossians. And I'm just going to reference a couple of verses from Colossians. Colossians 2, verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the universe, and not according to Christ. For in Christ the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have come to fullness in him. Christ is our model, fully human and fully God, of the divine dimension merged with our human world. And this is why we pray, not to escape our world, 
but to birth forth God's kingdom here on earth in us as it is in heaven. N.T. Wright says that this, then, is the pattern of Christian spirituality. It is not the selfish pursuit of private spiritual advancement. It is not the flight of the alone to the alone. It is neither simply shouting into a void, nor simply getting in touch with our own deepest feelings, though sometimes it may feel like one or other of these. It is the rhythm of standing in the presence of the pain of the world and kneeling in the presence of the creator of the world, of bringing those two things together in the name of Jesus and by the victory of the cross. Prayer opens us up to this paradox of being human, shifting our perspective, turning the ordinary into the sacred, turning us all sitting here together, bones and sinew, dust of the earth, into the beloved. Ask and you shall receive. But in order to receive, your hands must be open, open to holding loosely the tension of the paradoxes of our faith. So we had presence and we had paradox, and now for our third and final P, we have prophetic. N.T. Wright says, we live as Jesus lived in a world all too full of injustice, hunger, malice, and evil. This prayer cries out for justice, bread, forgiveness, and deliverance. As we say our Father in heaven, we are affirming what N.T. Wright calls the Exodus message. This is the message of um, being set free from our chains and loose, our bonds are loosened, all those things. It's the message that strikes fear into the heart of the oppressor. It shines a bright light on the things that most want to stay hidden. It is unexpected and it renders the powerful powerless. Jesus is praying to be kept from the time of trial that awaits him. He prays both in this prayer, he prays in the garden, but he is also fully ready to walk through that time of trial, even unto death. And when we pray these words of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is teaching us to put ourselves completely in the hands of God, whose power is ultimately subversive, literally turning over the powers of this earth. In our passage from Colossians, it says that through the suffering death of Jesus, Christ disarmed the rulers and authorities and made a public example of them, triumphing over them in it. Through his death, Jesus showed how empty the powers of the world are when they are up against the humble love of God. And so as we pray with Jesus to our Father in heaven, we are saying yes to the radical love of Christ that not only sees the pain of the world, but shares in the burden of that pain in order to bring healing to the world. This suffering love is the light that will shatter the darkness with its truth. And we do this, we seek out this love, knowing that the pain and darkness that Christ came to defeat on the cross are also 
the pain and the darkness that we try to run from within our own hearts. Our prayer is forming a consciousness of the prophetic. The nun, author, and activist, Sister Joan Chittister says, Prophecy is about being a clear voice about a specific need. It is about identifying the clouding forces on the human horizon. It brings clarity. Prophecy is truth, and it is hope. How many of us could use some more hope these days? <laughs> the prophetic conscious tells us that yes, there is darkness, yes, there is evil, but there is a better way. And we can hold on to hope that the better way of God's kingdom come will one day be our reality. So, if you feel like you can't pray, we're here to pray for you. Um, we would love to pray for you and with you. It is my hope and my prayer that if praying is hard for you, if you feel like it's pointless, if you feel overwhelmed by cynicism and doubt, if you feel like a fool every time you start to pray to an unseen God, let it bring you hope that we do come from a long history, a very rich history of people praying who have met the divine, who have seen the miraculous in their own life, who have been healed, and who have brought truth and light into the darkest parts of our world. I believe that prayer is very powerful, and I believe that it can start with something as simple as a deep breath of gratitude. It can start with something as simple as a knock. Knock and the door will be open to you. Knock knowing that an open door is just an open door. You have to move towards and through it. This is the action required. The prayer itself is not the end. It is the beginning. All right, let's pray. May we be bold in prayer as we quiet ourselves to hear, to feel, and to see how God is working in our lives, to see the constant move of the Spirit who is the breath of our life and our love. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Trinity Grace Church Tribeca podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast through iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts. And please take time to rate and review. And of course, we couldn't do this without your support. So if you would like to make a donation, you can text TGC Tribeca to 77977. That's TGC Tribeca to 77977. And your support is very much appreciated. Grace and peace to you.